morning, North Point. Welcome, everybody. If you want to stand with us, we'll begin to worship.
27 says, but the angels said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So, amen, as we continue to worship, uh, let's just remember the joy that God has given us and keep that throughout the season and let's continue to worship together.
Can I get an amen on that? I mean, seriously, whoa. Okay, so, um, hi, you may have a seat. I'm Mandy Bayshore, and I am a teacher. Uh, I uh, teach elementary music, K through four. I teach middle school performing arts and high school choir and high school theater. And I love my job. And this time of year is absolutely a crazy time of year. I've got all my littles doing Christmas programs. We had a choir concert. We're in the middle of our musical. And time, things are really busy and crazy. And I learned a lesson from one of my second grade classes programs. And the second graders are told, actually all my kids are told, that I take performance really seriously. If you are stepping out of line, you are taking away from what we're doing. And so I kind of give them this warning, and it usually puts the fear of God in them. I usually say, okay, so let's say you're on stage and you are not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're taking attention away from all the work that we've done since the second week of school. And so if I see you doing that, then I am going to walk on stage. I'm going to grab your hand, and I'm going to say, whose kid is this? And then I'll make the parents come up and I will grab, they all have to take them off the stage. Now, I've only had to do that once in all my years of teaching. Um, parents don't like it, weird. Um, uh, kids don't like it at all. And it usually works great and usually the kids straighten right up. Well, my kids were singing and I have a student teacher this semester, so she was directing the concert and I was videotaping from the back and there was this one kid. And he was not... He wasn't being naughty, but he just couldn't contain his excitement. You know what I'm talking about? Like he had, had, I'm pretty sure he had a lot of sugar before he got there. And he was talking and he was yelling and he was walking in the wrong places. And I started to walk forward down the aisle. And every second grader stood up tall, except that one kid. He was busy. He was talking and he was not paying attention till finally I caught his eyes and I went, and he went, what? Me? Really loud. Okay, so I said, and he straightened up after a while too. And then that got me thinking because this week was the week that I, we had finished experiencing God in our life group. And I was very, uh, I had a rough week. I'm not going to lie. It was a busy week and... Um, God really showed me some things that I was not releasing to him, things that were keeping me busy. And I kept saying, what, me? And God said, I'm, I want you to live a life of obedience in everything. And that really got me thinking that I was so busy, I did not have time to pay attention to God going right there, right there. You need to fix that. You need to give that to me. And so God has taught me a lot. It's not been very easy and it's not been very fun. I've been really busy with Christmas stuff. And in the, in the process, I lost sight of God. And so I would ask all of us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We are so glad that you're here. And on the end of each of these aisles, there is a black book. And we would love it if you would just write your name down to let us know you're here. You can do it through the app if you're home. Um, and you can just tell us you're here. If you're new, don't be afraid. We won't show up on your doorstep. But we do want to know that you're here so we can greet you. Um, we also have what's called Second Sunday. And you just missed it if you haven't gone. But um, we have another one next month on the Second Sunday. Huh? Oh, it's... I don't even know what time it is. See, this is how busy I am, okay? 
All right, you're on time for the second Sunday. Well done, people. Okay, so if you want cookies and you want to get to know people, you can go right in there and they'll answer your questions. You can find out how you fit into um, North Point and find out a little bit more about our leaders and all of that. I'm sorry, I'm just tired. Um, so uh, make sure that you go and do that if you can. You still have the opportunity. But the next group, nope. Okay, so... <laughs> Also, um, if you want to follow in obedience and you want to um, give to the church today, you can either do that through our app online, just hit the give button, or if you're a check or money person, you can put it in the back boxes, um, and we so appreciate your gift. But while I gather myself together, let us all fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Good morning. Don't you just love Mandy? <laughs> don't. You don't need any more. <laughs> oh, I, I'm so appreciative, uh, appreciative of all the people that God has brought to North Point. I'm, uh, during worship this morning, I thought this is just so good to be in God's presence and to worship together. Good, good stuff. Hey, if you were here last week, uh, you were part of uh, the, uh, the opportunity to affirm our elders, and I just wanted to let you know, if you didn't hear it this week, they were all affirmed. Let me show you who they are. Carrie, who was up playing uh, bass this morning. Steve, um, who's dealing with some illness stuff. Jeff's running sound. Vic is dealing with some illness stuff as well. Uh, and myself, and uh, we appreciate you being a part of that. Pray for those guys. Uh, pray that God would work through us as, as we lead his body here. Um, also, I just want to take a second and invite you to be a part of Christmas Eve and Christmas Day services. On Christmas Eve, we're going to have three Christmas Eve services, one at 3, one at 4.30, and one at 6. They're all identical, so you don't need to come to all three. You can just come to one. Um, but uh, we, we have a special guest artist, and truly an artist, um, that's going to be a part of the Christmas Eve service, a guy named Evan Strzok. Um, who is a nationally known speed painter. And so as a part of the Christmas Eve service, he's gonna do a painting in the Christmas Eve service that I think is just gonna be really, really cool. We're gonna, still gonna have candlelight uh, service as a part of that as well. And so we hope you'll, that you'll plan to be at one of those three services. Just gonna be a neat time together. And then on Christmas Day, which is only two weeks from today, Two weeks from today, um, we're going to have we're going to have a service on Sunday morning, just one service at 10 a.m. So if you come at 9:30, you'll be a little bit early. That'll be okay. You can have lots of coffee, uh, but we're going to do one service at, at 10 a.m. and uh, that's going to be a cool thing. Oh, if you've been around, you you've heard us talk about a special offering that we're going to that we're doing this Christmas season for for Kenya for the Missions of Hope International, an opportunity that we have to help plant a church and a school in Kenya. And we put together a video to just give you a little bit of sense of what it's like in Kenya and what's going on. Take a look on screen. Thank you. 
In roughly the last 20 years, Mohi has planted about 25 school, or 32 schools, 25,000 kids are in those schools. We have an opportunity to be a part of launching a new school in southern Kenya, and I hope you'll pray about your opportunity to be a part of that. We, uh, if, if we're going to do that, we need to raise about $50,000 in our Christmas offering, which is a big, big amount of money. So pray about what, what part God might have for you in that. Once upon a time, once upon a time, when you hear those words, it takes you back, doesn't it? It, it, You settle back in for this good story that's going to happen. You know that there's going to be a battle between good and evil, uh, um, that there are going to be heroes and villains, that there's going to be conflict and resolution, that there are going to be problems, conflict, and happily ever after. Once upon a time, takes place in a world of make-believe. Anywhere that you go these days, you hear the music that tells you it's the most wonderful time of the year, right? For many of us, our childhood memories reinforce that. We think back about what it was like as a kid to drive through neighborhoods and see the lights with the family in the car. We remember looking at the lights of our Christmas tree Maybe the nativity set that was set below it or on a mantle. And, and remembering about the story of Jesus, whether that nativity set was, was large and real intricate or whether it was maybe tiny and plastic or made of Santa characters, whatever. But this sense of, of the nativity of Jesus coming to the earth. Um, we remember maybe as a kid an almost magical candlelight Christmas Eve kind of service. That, that dances in our minds. We remember the anticipation that we had on Christmas Eve as we would go to bed dreaming of that one present that we were going to get, that we hoped for, that we would hope would be under the tree for us in the morning. Maybe, maybe your Christmas memories are of just simply being together as a family with mom and dad, that you had all day to open the presents, but then to play Candyland or uh, Shoots and Ladders or Guess Who or Monopoly games into the evening. Those are the kinds of memories of the once upon a time Christmas. But I'm not so sure that our parents didn't have those same memories. They weren't quite the same for them. I think when they look back at Christmases when we were young, they remember the, the threats that existed in the outside world. Maybe their memory of that particular Christmas is the loss of a loved one, that empty place that was there at the table that year. Um, the, the fear that somehow uh, that Christmas that they were providing for their kids wouldn't be enough. Some of you I know even now 
just really want this season to be done. It's like, just fast forward the next three weeks, get us through this so that we can be on the other side. Uh, your memories of Christmas past are not good, and so you, you fear this Christmas. You're worried about the arguments and the pain, about the drunkenness and the silence that will be a part of your celebration, the absence of a spouse or a child or a friend. Once upon a time doesn't really describe your Christmas experience. As followers of Jesus, when we read Luke chapter 2, we see this picture of Mary and Joseph walking on the hillside, Mary on the donkey, Joseph leading that donkey with a nice sunrise behind them. They're silhouetted by that journey, silhouetted by that light, and that creates for us that kind of once upon a time Christmas. Um, we read about the, uh, but, but when we see that, we forget about what it must have been like for them to travel probably 90 miles by foot to get to Bethlehem. We read about the angels that, that appear to the shepherds and we think, oh, what a, what a beautiful night that must have been. And I, and I think we don't really kind of imagine that the shepherds were probably fighting before that happened, fighting about who got what, which pasture, who had to stay up at night, who, had to, who was able to sleep, whose sheep were better than each other, um, let alone the terror that they experienced as the sky filled with angels that particular night. We sing about the, about the Magi, about the three kings of Orient are that come to visit the Christ child. And we forget, we forget that they met with a, with a paranoid and psychopathic megalomaniac in Herod. That, that as they came, all of the scripture tells us all of Jerusalem was terrified, knowing that as these Magi came through town, that people were going to die as a result of their visit. As much as we would like for it to be, once upon a time is not really the right kind of lead-in to the Christmas season. Scripture uses another phrase instead. It uses this phrase, at just the right time. That's what I want us to think about this morning, at just the right time. At just the right time, that phrase brings hope. It says, uh, we recognize that, that in a time that's filled with despair, that's filled with darkness, uh, at a time that's filled with persecution and crisis, that's filled with heaviness and hopelessness, at just the right time, points to preparation and a coming victory throughout the world and in our lives. If everything is good, if everything's going great, there's no need for just the right time. But when there's problems, just the right time changes everything. Listen to what Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us so that he could adopt us as his children. When the right time had come, God sent his son. How did, how did God prepare how did he know when the right time had come? It, it's easy, I think, to say, well, of course he knew. He's God. God would always know that. But God had been the one who had set the stage. From the time that Adam and Eve had sinned in the Garden of Eden, God had been planning to take a broken world and make it right 
at just the right time. He spoke through his prophets to his people to prepare his people for what was to come. He allowed the events in world history to create just the right time. 300 years before the birth of Jesus, Alexander the Great had conquered the world and brought a common language throughout civilization. About 150 years later, Rome had conquered Greece and had built roads that allowed travel between cities and enhanced communication and mobility throughout the known world. Gaius Octavius had taken on the name Caesar Augustus. And in his place of power, he demanded that everyone in the Roman kingdom travel to their birthplace so that they could register and pay taxes to Rome. What was the result of that? Jesus was not born in the small town where his parents resided, but in Bethlehem, the city that Joseph's parents and grandparents had called home. It was at the time of Jesus' birth, just the right time, because there was a teenage girl who loved God with her whole heart, who was willing to believe an angel, knowing that her life and reputation would be changed forever from the moment that that angel spoke to her. It was just the right time because a carpenter named Joseph was also willing to believe an angel and was willing to be humiliated among his friends, among the community, fulfilling his engagement to a girl who was pregnant with a baby that he knew was not his. Even more so, it was just the right time because the nation of Israel understood how devastating sin was to their relationship with God. 1,500 years earlier, God had delivered the nation of Israel from Egypt, from slavery that, that was there, and God had brought them to the promised land, a land that he had told them about um, years and years before when he had talked to Abraham. Um, but the Jews had over and over again turned their backs on God and finally been taken into captivity. When they were finally allowed to return to the promised land, the prophets warned them again and again, don't turn your backs on God. Don't walk away. But they did. And God stopped speaking through his prophets. He stopped speaking through kings. He stopped speaking through judges. And for 400 years, God had remained silent to the Jewish nation. The Jews had been conquered and demoralized by the Romans. They were not a national superpower that God had called them to be, but they had been reduced to simply one of many people groups within the nation of Rome. The nation of Israel was longing for God, hungry for his word, yearning for a demonstration of his love. They were waiting for just the right time. God God wasn't surprised by anything that had happened with Rome or with his chosen people, the Jews. He was preparing the setting for his son to enter the world at just the right time, to save the world, to save you and I. Many of us, I think right now in our lives in the U.S. right here in 2022, many of us look at what's happening here in our culture and we lament. Many of us say, how could America have fallen so far from biblical values and principles? 
Uh, we, we say, I know scripture warns us about people who call good evil and evil good, but how did that happen so clearly in our lifetimes? How did it get there? How did sin become so glorified, so entertaining to us? In, in our culture right now, we value personal choice above everything else, even over the needs of others. We've lost the ability to have, the, to have even a conversation with someone who disagrees with us about almost anything. In our culture, we have championed the elimination of human life and called it a right, whether that's in the unborn or the elderly. We have come to believe that the value of a person is defined by the fulfillment of their sexual desires. We've turned a blind eye when marginalized people groups are alienated or despised. It somehow has become acceptable for us in our culture to shoot children or college students or people at a mall when somebody gets angry or frustrated. Here's the message I wanna share with you this morning. It's not so different right now than the world into which Jesus was born. At just the right time, God sent his son. Is it possible that just the right time for, that this is just the right time for God to do something amazing, something big in our country, in mid-Michigan, in our church, and in each of our lives? Is this just the right time for that? Like the Jews, do you sense a hunger for God to right wrongs, to bring peace, to make sense of confused circumstances? Is the time ripe for God to transform our world? Through our study this fall of experiencing God, we've been reminded over and over again that God is always at work around us. This past week, I had a conversation as I was working on this message that I thought this just is such a great expression of the reality that God has been preparing things and brings things together at just the right time to accomplish his will. Um, last February, we watched with, with shock and with horror as Russia launched an attack on the country of Ukraine. They bombed and invaded and killed and destroyed. Herb and Kim Burkett are missionaries from North Point serving in Ukraine. They left DeWitt about 20 years ago with their, with their children to help make disciples of Jesus in Ukraine. Um, about five years ago, they moved to a different part of the country, to the city of Lviv, to plant a church there and to help teach at a seminary. A seminary that's sending workers in God's kingdom into Kurdish and Muslim countries around the world where Westerners aren't allowed to go. Not long after the Burkitts move, the church was planted. In addition to providing financial support for, for Herb and Kim as a church that we do on a regular basis, we made the decision to help plant that church as well and to send money that, that, uh, that would go to them each month to help that church as it was launched. Um, we, we committed from the beginning to do that for a three-year period. We were able to do that because of the gifts that you give in our offering each week. 
Um, when I talked to Herb a year ago, at the end of the three years, he said, boy, if you could help us a fourth year, that would really, really benefit the church. And so we did. We were able to extend that a year. Um, a, few years, uh, a few years before the church was planted, Russia had been fighting with Ukraine over the Crimea Peninsula. They had taken it by force. And, um, but throughout the rest of the country, there was peace. In 2018, a group of eight of us went to visit Herb and Kim and the missionaries who worked there. And there was no problem at all with us being there. There was no threat from Russia. There was no sense of fear in the country. The war for them in Western Ukraine was a long, long way away. But in February, when Russia invaded and began to bomb, millions of people were forced from their homes. Millions of people left the country altogether and many, many migrated to the western part of Ukraine to, the, to cities like Lviv. At a time of desperation, the Ukrainian Bible Church was ready at just the right time to minister to the physical needs of the people as they migrated. Uh, and as they continued to do so, to lead them to a loving relationship with Jesus. When I talked in June with Herb of this year as we prepared our budget, I was sure that we would continue our support of the Ukrainian Bible Church a fifth year because with the war going on, I knew that their needs were going to be extensive. But Herb said this to, to me, and, and it surprised me. He said, actually, no, I'd, I'd like for North Point to stop supporting the Ukrainian Bible Church. We need to take on responsibility for what God is doing in us and through us in Lviv. This, this past week, I emailed Herb to tell him that we were sending them a Christmas gift, a gift that was really just for Herb and Kim, not for their work, but just to encourage them at Christmas time. It's, that's something that we budget for. Again, we're able to do because of your giving, um, uh, and, and we do that for each of the missionaries that, that we support. In Herb, if you know Herb, Herb's um, very kind of understated. And in Herb's understated way, he expressed his appreciation and excitement to me in an email. He said, thank you so much. We already have plans for using the gift. We will return to the U.S. over Christmas and New Year, but are not coming because of the holidays. Our son and daughter-in-law are having their first child on December 18th. So the child will be Kim and my first grandchild. In the future, we might return to the States a little more often. So how are we gonna use this gift? We have made a reservation in Tennessee to spend five days just relaxing in January. We've not had a vacation since last year before the war began. So pray that we can have a refreshing time with God. As for ministry, we're busy and the church continues to grow. We will be baptizing five more people on Wednesday. So church membership will be over 130, a third of whom are brand new believers. The church is full on Sunday with over 230 people, many people standing, because if we add more chairs, people standing can't be in the room or the hallway. We're making plans to go to two services in February. It's amazing how the church has responded to a pandemic and then a war where people in our church worked with thousands of displaced people. One, one more thing, interesting statistics about our church. The median age of our membership is 26.7. 
47% of the families in the church have been married less than two years. On a personal note, Kim and I are doing okay. This last year has been challenging in our lives and marriage. It's nothing to worry about. The hard time has helped us grow closer to our Lord and each other. But we also realize we can only run like this for so long. We hope the time in Tennessee will be refreshing. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. May God continue to be the center of your life. When I read those words from Herb, as I prepared this message, I thought our Christmas gift to Herb and Kim arrived at just the right time. Just the right time for them. Jesus came at just the right time for us. The Roman culture was decadent, um, and yet that's what Jesus was born into. Ukraine has been turned upside down, and yet Jesus' church is thriving. Things in the U.S. may seem very discouraging, but God is at work in and around each of us. This Christmas, this Christmas is go time for, for we who follow Jesus. This Christmas has come at just the right time for us. Uh, if you're discouraged by your circumstances, know that God does his best work in times of discouragement. If you're feeling as you think over the next two weeks, um, what else could go wrong? Is there, any, uh, is there any more that I can handle at this point in time? Know that Jesus came at just the right time. If you're disheartened by what's happening in our culture, know that there are people in your life, in your world, in your sphere of influence who are desperate for something that matters eternally. They want more than our culture has to offer. Jesus said the fields are bursting with harvest, just ready to be taken in. If you're feeling distant from God, this is just the right time to come to him and say, God, I need you like never before. This is just the right time for hope. Not hope in the season itself, but hope from the God of the universe. Hope expressed in the birth of his son come to earth as God in flesh. If you've never given your life to Jesus, now is go time. Now is just the right time to make that decision. You'll, you'll hear whispers from the minions of Satan saying, you know what, wait until after the holidays. There's too much going on. The new year is a good time to get right with God. Things are too busy right now to make your spiritual life right, to make any kind of big changes. It's going to take too much work right now. But the message this morning, whether you're a follower of Jesus or far from him, is now is the right time. It's just the right time. In those troubling times, 30 years after Jesus was born, Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, began to preach. Mark records his words this way. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. The time promised by God, just the right time. 
Paul wrote to the church in Rome and said, while we were still utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners at just the right time. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, said, for God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. So there you have it. No matter what's going on in your life, if you've got littles in your home, if, if your kids are all gone, if you're by yourself, if you come from a great family, if you come from a broken family, as you approach the holidays, know that Christmas is the time for God to do his best work in you and to use you to impact the world around you. Now, now is the day. Today is the day. Let me, let me just encourage you. If there's an area of sin in your life today that you need to give to God, today's the day. It's the right time. If you need to change the focus of your Christmas, of Christmas for your family, today's the day to start. If, if you need to begin to read the Bible, to begin to hear from God, to begin to pray, to begin to make connections with other followers of Jesus who can walk with you through the spiritual war that we're in, today is the, is the day. It's just the right time. We have two weeks until Christmas. I'm excited about the next two weeks. Next Sunday's message is about the right preparation. Today, we talked about the right setting, just recognizing that, that it is just the right time for God to do his work. Next week, we're talking about the right preparation. On Christmas Eve, we'll talk about uh, the reality that the perfect baby became the perfect savior, the right savior for us. And on Christmas Day, we're just going to talk about the right response that we have to who God is and his love for us. Let me finish with these words from the prophet Isaiah, hundreds of years before Jesus was born. People walking in darkness have seen a great light. Those living in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has dawned. And in the midst of that, at just the right time, Isaiah says. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of, of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne. And over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal, the fervor, the joy of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this at just the right time. It's now. Let's pray. Father God, I, I, uh, I thank you for the preparation that you have done in us for today. God, I thank you for the way that you prepared the world for Jesus' birth 2,000 years ago. And God, I thank you for the work that you're doing right now 
to prepare us for your love in, in, in a way that we've never experienced before. God, there are so many that are hurting, that um, are dealing with disease, with death, with loss. God, so many people that are um, afraid of what might happen in the next few days or weeks. People concerned about their jobs, their, their finances. God, I thank you that in these moments at this time, that this is the right time. The right time for you to change us from the inside out. God, to draw us to you, to join you in the work that you're doing all around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together, let's sing.
worshiping with you guys this morning. Hope you have a great week. Don't forget about Second Sunday, and we will see you next Sunday.